There we go. That's what we like to hear here on the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Reed. I'm so excited to be here. If you don't know about Rec Poker, we are a uh, vibrant and encouraging poker learning community that's free to join. And I encourage everyone to go to rec.poker and sign up. All it takes is an email address and a smile. And uh, one of the positive people that we like to talk to is Jared Tendler. So we'll talk to Jared in just a moment. But I want to start by just mentioning that, uh, you know, we've been doing these rec poker road trips. I'm, I'm calling in right now from Las Vegas, Nevada, for the WSOP. It's been a phenomenal time down here, staying in the rec poker house and hanging out with all these fantastic members, rubbing elbows with the poker cognoscenti. And uh, we're going to be doing something like this similar. We're going back to the Run Good uh, Council Bluffs tour. So we're going to be in Iowa um, from November 11th to 14th. And I encourage everyone to come along and join in the fun. Uh, we have a great time working out with Run Good and playing in these events. Uh, it's just great hanging out with other members, uh, railing each other, cheering each other on. Uh, of course, going over those nasty bust out hands, but there's, there's, we've been doing this over Zoom for two years, but there's just nothing like doing it in person. So I hope people go to rec.poker slash road trips, and then you can check out some of the details of this upcoming Iowa trip and some of the other trips that we've taken in the past, which uh, which have just been sort of like, a, honestly, a highlight for 2021, getting a chance to get together and spend some time with folks. But the folks we're spending time with right now, I'm Jim Reed. Jared Tendler on the line, calling in from uh, Pennsylvania, and I'm excited to have you on here, Jared. Thank you back. Uh, thank you, and welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Good to good to be here. Yeah. So you said you're stuck. You're stuck, surrounded by Eagles fans up there in Pennsylvania. How it's are brutal. you handling that? That seems like a pretty traumatic traumatic experience. Yeah, and it was brutal too because my my brother in law uh, is is from this area, and so you know, I, I, even before I moved here, I was getting kind of bombarded with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, Thanksgivings and you know holidays and. So yeah, it was it was up close and personal way 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 earlier than I would have preferred. But it was maybe maybe a bit of you know kind of preparation for actually moving here and kind of knowing what I was what I was in for. Yep, that's true. Like a little inoculation because I know it's not tough for uh, Giants fans having to live near Pennsylvania. Um, so I'm glad you were able to build up a little resistance to that in advance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of know what I was in for. Yeah. So what have you been other than moving to uh, Pennsylvania? What have you been getting up to? Um, I know it's been a while since we had you on the show, but you've got a lot of uh, exciting projects that you're always working on. What's new and exciting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think last time we spoke, you know, there was this time where I was I was heavily involved in esports. So I was working, you know, the kind of the head of of sports psychology for Team Liquid, which is a whole other world. So. So that was cool. But then, you know, in the last three years, I've been working on this new uh, trading book called The Mental Game of Trading, uh, which just came out in April. Uh, that was a massive project, but it really kind of took a lot of that. I, a lot of what I had learned from the trading world over the last eight years and kind of took what I wrote in The Mental Game of Poker and kind of upgraded the system. Um, so, yeah, that was exciting to kind of pour through. I realized that I really need to be writing and producing material because it just keeps me agile and keeps my brain moving if I kind of don't do that for a while. I get bored. Um, I, I'm kind of less interested and, you know, I don't know. I love what I do. So it, it, there's, there, there needs to be kind of that um, movement. Otherwise uh, I get a little annoyed. So, but I also, if I'm only focused on helping other people achieve their goals, I also get a little, you know, squirrely. So I'm, I'm happy to report that I'm, uh, you know, kind of rapidly uh, getting back into golf, uh, getting some instruction. I'm, been working with a with a personal trainer who is phenomenal and regaining some mobility as a 43 year old in my back that <laughs> I thought was just going to be you know par for the course and yeah it's kind of exciting so uh, you know I, another you know I'm kind of two months in and you know starting to see some increase in distance and 
so you know we'll see what ne- next six months look like but i'm, I'm really going to kind of ramp that up and and look to start playing some big events again next year and in the next couple of years you know with the goal of playing another u.s mid-am maybe a usam uh, maybe u.s open uh though that would be uh one of those things where <laughs> a good a, a, I've heard stories of, of guys that won't play in it. They're great players. They probably have a decent chance of qualifying, but they don't, they don't try to qualify because they don't actually want to play on a U.S. open course under U.S. open conditions with people. Right. So, <laughs> I understand that. Um, you know, you know, I, for me, it, it would be, you know, nice to get over the hump of, you know, playing in a, in a, in the second stage of the sectional qualifying for the U.S. open is basically a PGA tour event. Cause you know, 70, 75 players out of the 156 you know, are, 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 you know, get automatic qualification. So you get like really big name players in these, these sectional qualifiers. So to kind of rub elbows with them for a day would be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm a recreational golfer and I'm a recreational poker player. I think I've reached the point in my career where I'm actually a better poker player than a golfer, which is interesting. So <laughs> that, that's what, that's like, you know, um, it's in a similar way, Recky's like me coming down to Las Vegas and playing in the WSOP. You know, I don't think any of us are expecting to go like crush the field, but it's part of that, like, you know, crossing it off the list and having that experience and testing yourself against the best, right? That's that's part of totally. what that experience is. Yeah, exactly. And for me with golf, like I, I want to play great courses under tournament conditions. I had the, I had the, um, a client who is a member of Baltus Roll, which for those that don't know, Baltus Roll is, you know, top 40 club in the country. But it's also hosted like numerous U.S. Opens and PGAs over the years. And playing it on a Saturday was like playing it in one of the best conditioned golf courses I've ever played. You know, the greens are running, you know, it's conceivably actually faster than most PGA Tour events. You know, not quite up to U.S. Open or PGA uh, tournament speed. But, you know, to go play in, in, on tournaments like on courses like that in tournament conditions to me is just super fun. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's totally different. I actually played with a buddy of mine at a different course, which was also really well conditioned. You know, he's probably like a, a 25 or 30 handicap. Um, but this golf course just completely ate him alive. He, he yeah. didn't realize like how big of a difference there is when you play on, you know, a, a course like that versus, you know, kind of the members country club style where, you know, the greens are running, you know, quite a lot slower. They're not quite undulating. You can get away with a lot of stuff you can't on these courses. And that it's super fun. For, I loved it. I mean, and he hated it, which, you know, caused him to drink more than I did, but. Perfect. We still had a good time nonetheless. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that's actually, that's a pretty good corollary to poker because on some of those, uh, on the courses that are designed for pros, even things like where the fairway bunkers are, they're meant to be in play for those long, long drive hitters off the tee. And um, so it's, it's, it is a different experience playing as a recreational player. And I think that's the same. Honestly, I do think that's the same for poker, like being down here in the WSOP, the traps you have to look out for on the tables are different than the traps back at your local casino because the the the, the people laying the traps are much better at it and they're and they're doing it in a way that you're not used to. So um, I wonder, you know, I wonder. So well, well, that's one of the things I want to talk about a little bit here because you know, mental game is is a big part of that, and um, I think. Like I, I'm very good at not tilting. I've got a positive attitude. I've got a long view perspective on what matters. So, um, you know, I, I indulge in a little tilt from, from now and then just, just because that's part of the experience too, but I'm, I'm pretty good at shaking off a brick in, unless I like really screwed something up myself, which is also true on the golf course. Um, you know, I think when people, people like me, we get like the most tilted when it's something like an error that we made or an unforced error or something like that. And I think that's the area where 
you know, your work can really help us the most. Um, preventing those unforced errors, dealing with the, the emotional fallout when you do make them, and then also just dealing with the, the peaks and valleys of, of variance when it comes to tournament poker. So, I mean, you've done a lot of work in the past already putting the books together, and, and I know um, lots of other ways for people to study the mental game and to kind of work on that themselves. Um, and, I, and I think it is really valuable to recreational players. Um, when you're talking about this, I know you do most of your, your active coaching with, with, you know, more, more skilled, more professional players, but are, what, what are some of the things that recreational players could like, what's some of the low hanging fruit that we could really just seize on someone like me, who's in this position, kind of shooting a shot, punching above their weight. Um, but maybe with a slightly less positive attitude, how, how can we help them kind of get through this grind a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think. So your, your parallels here are, are, are really strong in terms of what we're, what we're trying to do here. Um, I think for recreational players, you know, we're trying to do a lot in small spaces, I think is really the rub, right? I mean, the fact that it's recreational means you don't have a lot of time to kind of study and prepare and practice. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the squeezing out kind of advantages in, in small spaces is, is really key. And a lot of it comes down to preparation. I, I mean, you know, to get yourself ready to handle the variety of different things that are going to get thrown your way, uh, you know, versus kind of just going in, you know, with a little bit of the, like, let's see what happens, you know, kind of mentality, um, you know, use your past experience, right. And just think about what were those, I mean, you could do it from a strategic standpoint, right. What were some of those traps that you struggled with before, right. The game, the game obviously is continually evolving, but it doesn't, you know, evolve that rapidly. And there are, lots of ways that recreational players can still be very difficult outs for seasoned pros. You know, they're, they're playing a different game sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you can make that game a lot more difficult for them and, and in some ways actually beat them because they're actually just playing the wrong game based on what's going on. And that, you know, when I, when I look at, I mean, obviously I'm giving the pros this advice, okay, which is, you got to play against your competition. You can't yeah. be just playing this like kind of blind GTO style and just thinking that that's going to work all the time. And, you know, especially in a live environment, right. That, that stuff can, can, I mean, the frequencies make a lot, a lot more sense online than they do live. Yeah. So, so there's, there is still a lot of opportunity. And I think a lot of times recreational players, they, they kind of outlevel themselves and oh, yeah. what they're trying to do. So I, I think you're a hundred percent spot on that. The biggest Thing you want to avoid is feeling like you underperformed relative to what you're capable of right now. And, and so how do you do that? You go in with the mentality that says, I'm going to find out how good I am. I'm going to play my game because if I attempt to play their game, not only are you, not only do you have zero chance, you're going to get wiped out right. really quickly because you can't, you, you, you just don't play it. Yeah. yeah and, and maybe the, the, the corollary here with, with golf, you know, kind of holds up because golf does allow you to play your own game on that course because the opponent is really the course. And it becomes more about how well you understand the conditions by which you're playing in to make your strategic adjustments. And I think that's the thing you really have to kind of take in here. You're not uh, you're, the, the odds are not insurmountable. Right. They are stacked against you for sure. But that's not why you're there, right? That's not why you're there. If you were there solely to win, 
you'd be doing a lot more and you'd be getting a lot closer to being a pro, right? It's more about the experience, having fun. And again, feeling like you've got a chance, feeling like what you can do is actually, you know, not just getting kind of completely destroyed. So, so you really do have to kind of have the, the balls to be able to say, this is what I want and I'm going to go down swinging. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But this is what I want from the experience. I think sometimes, especially as you get deeper into a tournament, how it changes. And now all of a sudden you see very big numbers right. you know, on the horizon and it becomes more about the result and it changes your decision-making. And, and now it's now, now the odds are significantly stacked against you. Right. And so kind of having the balls and the guts to do something dumb seemingly in a big spot and knowing that's okay. Yeah. Because the money that's available to you on the surface may seem life-changing or especially, you know, you win the millionaire maker, like that's a lot of money, right? 600 K after taxes. Yeah. Still a lot of money, yep. but like, you know, it's not going to like, it shouldn't change your life, right? The money is not going to be so consequential. The bracelet, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing that nobody can take away from you. The money you might blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We hope this for life. But you know, I think again, it, it it comes down to preparation and just being really clear about the challenges you're gonna face and having a good game plan to to face that. And you know, I think if you do those things, um it, it's it, it I'm not gonna say it makes it easy because because tournament poker can be hard at times, but it certainly can be easier and give you give you like a fighting chance at this point. Yeah, I think that's bang on, man. Like I'm down here playing in my first bracelet series. I've I've played in a couple. I found a cash in the ridiculous flip and go tournament, so that was fun. But uh, the best poker I played this whole trip was in um, the freeze out uh, yesterday. For our listeners who are hearing this on uh, October 13th, there was a one thousand uh, dollar freeze out bracelet event. Um, definitely some of the best poker I've played. I feel great about almost every decision I made. Now, I busted before the money just a- as it went out, but I feel like like I, that felt like a huge victory to me. Um, I didn't screw any. I didn't really screw anything up. I made like you know a couple little trivial errors, but uh, I do feel like you know being process oriented and not being results oriented, particularly in poker, like that's got to be a key to just maintaining a level attitude and 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 not losing your uh not losing your head and just being you know like you said like what what is the expectation here what what does success look like what are we actually trying to accomplish here and playing your game we do talk about this all the time out leveling yourself or like laying traps for people that are not experienced enough to even see that trap and so you end up just trapping yourself and i think you're right about the pros you know there was a few times where i could see pros on our tables um playing in like a GTO, like when you get to showdown, you see that they were playing in a GTO manner, but versus this field is like, man, just, just play the value hands. And you know, you're, you're, you could have saved yourself a lot of chips there. So it's something that I think transcends the skill levels too, right? Like some of the best players down here are also not really adapting their play to the field that they're in. So that's, I mean, they're giving up huge, huge advantage there by, by doing so. So, yeah. I mean, if if there's one thing that's common, right, it's that, pros overvalue their skill right okay right i mean that's a societal issue right people by and large are overconfident right if you do research and say you know how intelligent do you think you are how good do you think you are how how, how good how good is your sense of humor right 
70 to 75 percent of people think that they have above average. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So so 25 percent of people are dead wrong. Okay? <laughs> and maybe more for all we know. Right. 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 Maybe they, so the point is, right. You've got a lot of overvaluing. It's really difficult to know what your edge is. And as a as a pro, especially now, we're now we're what, like, you know, kind of 20 plus events deep in the main uh, in the in the series. There ought to be enough knowledge about the player pool. Right. To kind of know what adjustments you need to make. And I promise you that there are a lot of pros that are still not making the adjustments because they're overvaluing, right? What they know and how yeah. players should play. Right? Yeah. It's, it's something you hear all the time. I hear all the time, right? So tilted because they should have done X versus, man, I really misperceived yes. what that guy was capable of. And so, yeah, wow, you know, kudos to you. I'll, I'll adjust. No one says that. <laughs> no one says that. Right. And so that's that's your advantage, right? Your advantage. Yeah. But if you're overconfident or you're not confident enough, then then you know it, it just gets a lot, a lot tougher for you. So, you know, I know we haven't kind of gotten into it yet, but like, you know, that this new, you know, kind of video series that I produced to help players prepare for big tournaments like this. One of the so there are kind of two key modules in this series. Uh, the first one is goal setting. The second one is what I call know your game. And those are the ones you've got to do every single time before you go play. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've already talked about the goal setting piece, right? And so just, it doesn't take a lot of time, but just get clear on what you want, what things you're going to face. And then second to that, define a little bit of the dimensions of what makes you skilled. When you're playing well, how do you know you're playing well? What are you doing? When you're off a little bit, right? B game, what does that look like? What does C game look like? If you do those Two things, right? So the goal setting and the know your game. It, you're running downhill at this point. Right? Yeah. You are, you are, it's it's impossible for you not to play better. A. B, it's impossible for you not to learn more about your game and mm-hmm. as a result of that, then be better ready for the next tournament series. Yep. So yeah, I mean it, it's just simple stuff, right? Doesn't take a lot of time, just takes the mentality that says. I want to be better prepared, right? I want to be proactive, right? We're, we're doing this in the middle of the series. So maybe this isn't the right thing for everybody that's already there, right? You can kind of backtrack, right? If you haven't gone yet, right, there's still time. But maybe it's more we're kind of planting seeds for a larger shift in the poker community, right? Which I think is taking more uh, time to be proactive, right? So many poker players just are, are just way too reactive, right? I mean, let's take Phil Hemu's big blow up the other day. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, I coined the term, you know, a decade ago, entitlement tilt and in the book, right. Phil Helmuth is the poster child for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's gone through cycles. Right. And we can all say, sure. Right. Some of it was promotional and there was a lot of reasons for the tilt and, you know, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, we know that he is, you know, one of the most driven players out there to to win and to historically win, right? He oh, wants yeah. his place permanent. And so I respect all that, right? The proactive piece here, right, is you know that that's out there as an issue, right? Where's the aggressiveness in, in wanting to fix it? So I'm not I'm not meaning to call out Phil specifically, although, you know, our, our discussion on Twitter might suggest otherwise. Uh-huh. Uh, but but I'm I'm trying to call it the larger ethic in the poker world, which says, and look, 
all, all of you who are successful in other areas of your life, right? Do this, right? You, you take right. time to prepare. Right. And if you do some, some small things to better prepare, you make the outcomes better, period. Right. And sometimes those outcomes are more of those process pieces of, all right, well, I played better. I focused better, right? Because my phone was away. I took care of, you know, things that I needed to so that I wasn't interrupted. You know, I, I understood some of the landmines from a strategic standpoint, some of the landmines from a tilt standpoint. So I was just better aware. And then that awareness then translates into adaptability in real time. And, you know, look, I mean, you said earlier, like the last thing you want to do is beat yourself. The last thing you want to do is beat yourself in a big spot. Yes. Right? Yes. One is still the name of the game. But man, if you have a chance to make a final table, to get heads up for a bracelet, to to play up against some of the big name players that you're excited to play against, you want to, you want to play well yeah, and at least play as well as you could. If you, if you could have done better, cool, you know, lesson learned for the next time, but don't beat yourself first is the, is the name of the game. Yeah. And particularly in tournaments, um, you know, you can't, it's like in cash games, every hand's a new game, every hand's a new hand. You can win what you've got on the table. Um, but in tournaments, you really can't win the tournament on any one hand, but you sure can lose it. And there are, I think, especially for recreational players like us, there are these opportunities to lose that some of us just don't recognize or we even recognize and then do it anyway, because we don't, you know, I'm not sure, but I've definitely seen, you know, people, people write into me and ask me about, they feel like they've even sort of like sabotaged themselves in real time because they knew it wasn't the right play, but they did it anyway. Um, And stuff like that. I think like, there's some real low hanging fruit when it just comes to avoiding those catastrophes um, for recreational players. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you refer to that as like lopping off your, your C game or, or what you would say about that. But it, I think for a lot of us, it's not even about making our A game that much better. It's just avoiding these, these, these pitfalls, these landmines that, uh, that, uh, that make it harder for us to, even when we're doing well, boom, in one hand, like all of a sudden, all that's for nothing. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about your new, uh, your new, um, course here, because I, I really like the way you're laying it out here. You've got these different modules set up that kind of take players through different stages of how you'd like them to think about their game. And, um, there is sort of like an, an evolution to it. So how, how did you, how did you construct this structure and what, what made you decide that this was the best way to put this in front of people? Yeah. So, so kind of kind of in my kind of time off this summer from coaching, just, gave me a chance to kind of play some golf and, and reflect. And and one of the things I, I sort of saw is, you know, I saw now like a, a, a different schedule for the, for the world series. Like, could I put something together to help people prepare? Cause you know, invariably I get the, you know, uh, the influx of, of clients coming to, to, to get help as they prepare for a tournament series like that. And just as like they do for W hoop and you know other big online series and live series. And, and so, you know, Really, this kind of started in 2014, helping you at Van Hoof prepare for uh, the main event final table, which we had four months to do. Right. And and like that kind of like what we did there kind of created a framework for, you know, what I eventually was doing with players, both recreational and obviously more so tournament players, but before every tournament series. And we started to kind of create this cycle where we're kind of going through you know, these sort of checklists in a sense, like looking at different areas of their game and seeing what's strong, what's weak, what do you want to focus on in this series, right? You know, it's a, it's a only two week one. So, you know, endurance is not really that big of an issue, but, you know, maybe it's more final table play, it's handling pressure, it's burnout. And, and, and we just kind of, I just sort of saw the patterns with which I was preparing these players for, you know, series over series, right? And 
constructed it in a way that was very much like, you know, it's called a mental game tune-up because it's, it's designed to be like you take your car, you know, in for service and, you know, they run through that multi-point inspection and they check off all the spots of doing well. And it's like fuel injection, man, it's time. (laughs) And so that's, that's the, that's the rub here. So basically like I said, the, the first two modules of, of setting your goals and knowing your game, you really want to do that before every tournament series because it's just as like you, there's an evolution to your game. I don't care how frequently you play or don't, right? Your life is dynamic, you're dynamic. And so the things you want are going to change. You need to account for that, right? Your game changes. You need to account for that. If you're going to play well, you need to know what you're bringing in. Yep. And, and so those two modules really are there. Then we get into, all right, handling tilt, you know, and other emotional issues, right? Avoiding burnout, depending on how much you're going to play, right? Getting in the zone more often, handling pressure, improving uh, focus, and then improving decision making. And so there, you kind of get six modules to kind of pick and choose from, right? And so to me, the course becomes the thing that you can use, series over series, yeah, series over like throughout the year to yeah. just go back and be like, all right, what what am I going to focus on here? And it just creates this sort of cycle of growth in a way that's really, really kind of simple and kind of easy to navigate. Uh, and, and cause that's what I'm doing with, with clients, right? It's like the material is really not going to change a lot, right? You just have right. to be considering it. So the way I designed the course was very much like I am coaching you. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted you to feel like, like we are right now reaching through the camera and helping you kind of walk through to develop, you know, the strategies and tools that you need, you know, to be a little bit better prepared. And so mm-hmm. We've got like kind of this combination of like conceptual video and then like this kind of practical, like I'm going to walk you through the steps step by step on how to how to create the tools. Yeah, because that's that's something like I think and at Rec Poker in particular, like we talk a lot about the abstract notions of theory and, you know, how to prepare yourself and, you know, uh, like very high level. Um, but we, we don't get into like the application of it is a difficult part. I mean, particularly for recreational players, like it's one thing to know frequencies in your mind, but then actually at the table to express that. Um, so I, I guess, is there a way, cause one of the things I want to talk about is your module eight, train your decision-making process. I don't know if that's the right place for this, but can you, can you just talk about the, that difficulty when the difference between the abstract knowledge and actually applying it at the table? And, and is there a way to practice that or to sort of think about it differently to, to feel like you're in a better position to do that? Yeah, there is. I mean, I think the, the biggest mistake players make is to think that, you know, doing theory, watching videos, talking with players, that there's sort of this equal sign between what you know at that time when you're not playing to what's going to show up when you do play. Yeah. We're talking golf. It's like thinking, you know, the shots that I hit on the driving range right. are just suddenly going to show up when I go play. Yeah. Right. And I work with traders, right. Thinking that like trading a simulated market, right. Everything is exactly the same. Right. But yet you're different. Yeah. When it's your money on the line, when it's your dreams on the line, your goals on the line, your time, you are different. And so what that means is that if you're not, you know, kind of going in with the mentality of like, let's see how much I can bring over from the practice and training environment to the the, the table, right. Let's see how much I can bring up. If you don't have that mentality, you're going to expect too much. And when you start to make some mistakes that you think you ought not to, then some loss of confidence, some tilt, some fear is going to emerge, which is only going to shrink that and make it harder for you to bring bridge the gap. So 
so yeah, so I think what's nice now is that you start to see this, you know, kind of influx of uh, new, like kind of online training environments mm-hmm. right, where you can go play against a bot and practice yes. making decisions, yes. or you can go load in a bunch of hands that you've played, throw it into a hand replayer and, and practice making decisions like you're actually playing the hand out in real time again. And so what does that do? it trains your decision-making process because you have to think about your decision-making process. Like I think about my golf swing, right? Right. There's a technique to it. And you know, the way that I would frame it is there's a difference between the process by which you dig into your knowledge base to pull out the right answer versus your knowledge base. Right. Right. Good point. Most, most recreational players are more focused on building their knowledge base they're not focused on building the process to pull out the right answer in that moment and train that because those two things are different components. For pros, they don't focus on this as much either, okay? But because they're playing so much more, yeah, there's more of a kind of um, convergence. You know, the, the, there's a synergy between those two things. They kind of yeah. grow along with each other. Mm-hmm. But recreational players tend to like think more play more at times that are different than a world series right so the home games that ain't the same thing that's the driving range still that's the driving range yeah that's the driving range but you got to treat it right so the overtraining, right that professional athletes do right they treat the driving range at times like it's a golf course yeah right at times it's no no this is training i'm working on this thing at other times it's like no i want to hit these shots frequently over and over again because I can practice in a way that I can't in the course. Yeah, there's got to be that that bridge. Otherwise, it, so so to get really practical, and this is what I talk about in that in that section, okay, uh, in that in that module, you got to write out your decision making process. You got to understand how you make decisions when you're making them well, and it's going to take a little bit of practice to kind of write out you know naturally what you go through, and then to create some systemization to it. But then once you've got that. Now you have something that you can practice. So when you are playing in a home mm-hmm. game, right, you can, even though you don't need to, you're going to train and force yourself to go through that. And you might tell your friends like, all right, listen, I'm going to be a bit of a dick today and take more time than I want to. But you guys know I want to go play in the, in, the, in, the, in the series. You know, you so just bear with me, right? And I'll, I'll take all the ribbing you want to send me and it's fine, it's fine, right? We're all on the same page. Or, right, when you're in that hand replayer or you're playing against that bot, you're forcing yourself to go through that process. Then it gives you a chance, right, under pressure at a time when you're tilted, a time you're tired, right? Then it becomes, you got a chance to actually sustain yourself and make some good decisions there versus it's just bleh, right? That's that's what ends up happening, right? You know, you're sitting there for 30 seconds and all you're thinking is, man, uh, did I scratch my face right now? I don't want to really like want to give anything away but right it's like no 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 like what, what are you what? here <laughs> well yeah because our, our attention is so limited at the table too that like just being able to avoid using your mental bandwidth on stuff like that that's irrelevant is a skill exactly. like just to be able to marshal your attention to be focusing on the things that are most important um you know my dad who taught me how to golf he always said like you know you can you can Pretend that you're on the course when you're at the driving range and and do your practice there. Do anything you would normally do on the course at the driving range, but don't 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 experiment on the course. 
Don't do things new or for the first time on the course. Do that at the driving range and then do your experimenting there. Do your practicing there and then come and perform on the course. And, you know, like that, I feel like some some of us, we get in these situations and we're like, oh, well, I'm really going to have to up my game to to be playing down here. And so then, like you said, at the very top, you're playing, you're, you're, you're experimenting, you're, you're, you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations in exactly the worst time. It's like, do that in the home game, man. Go to rec.poker slash home games and play that in the free money thing we do every night and then and see how it works and, and, you know, get some feedback from people there. Um, yeah. So I, I really think that's, that's true. And, and so I like this idea of training your decision-making process and, and that's something that you just, you really have to do just like, just like with swing thoughts and, and months and muscle memory and getting those reps in, right? Because the more of this stuff we can internalize and make it very natural and easy the less we even have to think about that at the table. So now we've got all this brain space available to think about our opponents and their ranges and, and that kind of thing. So, um, and what, this, and that, yeah. and that also kind of feeds into the cycle kind of tournament series over tournament series. It's like, you know, if you haven't gone to the series yet or for you now, it's like, don't think about perfection here. Just think about yeah. how can I improve my decision-making in some small ways yeah. this time. If I nail that, then I can layer in the next one the next time. Yeah. Right. The problem I think a lot of times is you try to do too much at once and then you end up doing less or make it worse. Right. So again, we're looking for just small things that you can do to just level up a little bit and then series over series, year over year. Right. That's where the gaps get, 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 get really big. That That's what the pros know how to do well. And I think the recreational players end up both in golf and, and in poker just kind of get off. Right. They just, they want so badly to kind of, jump up and and do something special right right it's a lot of times something special is just being a little bit better yeah right because if you're a little bit better frequently the, the changes happen pretty dramatically over just a longer period of time yeah like that uh that old saw about just getting one percent every better every day right like if you're just getting a little bit better um every day that's that's actually a, a great route route uh road to to improvement and it's it's kind of unrealistic to expect to just spend a little time studying and then all of a sudden be at this phenomenal level as a poker player or something like it, I, yeah i think and we talked about before like just being realistic about expectations and you know i think for, for a lot of people like happiness is when reality conforms to their expectations but good luck changing reality folks uh, but you <laughs> but you do have some control over your expectations right and so if you can have like realistic assumptions if you make good assumptions about other people and about like what you're actually trying to do you know that you're you're, you're going to have more fun you're going to maybe, maybe this is why you're so happy Jim. <laughs> must be <laughs> must be so i've been i've been going through the modules i want to drill down deeper into uh uh 7 and 8 in particular Okay. Um, but I can see already that this would be helpful, not just to pros, but, but to players like me and folks that are, that are trying to get better or even just beginners, because I think they've got a lot of that room to improve in this area that they can then start stacking on some strategy and, and that kind of thing, because you need, you need a foundation of, of a solid head before you can even, you know, plan, plan to be a phenomenal player. Um, is there anything else about the course that you'd like to mention to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think the other I think kind of exciting thing, which is like kind of a first um, is that, so I talked about kind of the concept video and then like kind of the practical video, but then I also uh, did coaching with uh, Matt Affleck, who many of uh, yes. you know, kind of know fondly um, and also Diego Ventura, who they may not know, but 
should know because he's a top 20 player uh, online in the world. Mm. Um, so highly skilled uh, player, um, you know, kind of coach them through each of the eight modules. So you see, you know, kind of the, the theory, the practicality for you. And then you get to kind of look under the hood about what some of the best players in the world are doing to prepare themselves uh, and, and kind of the things that they're thinking about. I think the most revealing thing, if I were to kind of generalize what you'd see is the level of honesty is the level of precision yeah is the level of of you know kind of like acknowledgement of weaknesses and and trouble mm-hmm. points it's like you know I, I i'm thinking about you know the course as a whole and and i i know for sure that there are a lot of players out there both recreational and pro that don't think that they need this they look at the modules and say ah it's easy to kind of <laughs> Right. But but there again comes in your 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 thought here about, you know, expectations not aligning with reality. I'm not saying that you need this. I'm just saying it's way more efficient. Right. Right. To actually have somebody walk you through it. Because oh, yeah. To do it on your, to do it on your own. Yeah. You know, tournament series over tournament series year over year is just difficult. And so when you kind of have this kind of guidance, you know, to make it much more simplistic and, and roadmappy. So that a lot of the decisions for you are kind of taken off the table and you just have to like, just be more honest and self-assessing about where you're at and what you need. Then the course really works for you. But I think yeah. a lot of people are just going to kind of look at it on the surface and be like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I can, I can do all that. Right. And, and, and the reality is, yeah, you can, but can you do it as efficiently? Uh, and, and the answer is there's no way. And so, you know, for 500 bucks, you know, we'll, we'll say 450 because of the discount you guys will provide them. Um, you know, is it worth it? Right. And again, we look at, all right, well, this is the thing you could use for the next 10 years. Yeah. You could use it for the next five years. I mean, I, there, there's no way that it doesn't provide return if you buy into what it can do for you. And if you, and if it doesn't, and you can't see that, then, then that's fine. I mean, I, I want people to, to get high value from my material, right? Poker books, coaching video series like this. I'm always about kind of high yield for, for what you're, what you're investing in. And, and, and in this case, it's, you know, I think a little bit of money, uh, a little bit of time and, and, and the yield should be there. But, and that's, and that's the real point. Cause like I've been a, a relatively serious amateur player for 15 or 20 years, but I only joined rec poker two years ago or two and a half years ago or something like that. And up until I did, I was a solitary poker learner. I was learning in a silo. I was watching videos on my own. I was reading books. I was listening to podcasts and what would have really helped me if I'd been smart enough to realize it at the time was that, yes, you can make incremental progress by just studying on your own, but you're not going to live forever. And if you could learn faster then like I'm 41 now, you know, I could have reached this level of skill at 30 if I had just had someone to show me the roadmap to walk me down the path and say, like, let me save you some time learning some of these lessons. You know, I think a lot of players like me, we, we want to learn from our own mistakes. We want to feel that we, we're only going to learn if we feel the pain ourselves. But that's dumb. And it's really, in, it, 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 it's painful. Know, it's inefficient. Like, it's just, yeah. it's a stupid thing to do. So there are no new problems in poker. Everyone's made all the mistakes already. Just learn from their pain. Learn from their mistakes. And then just take it seriously enough. And so this guided path, I think, is something that whatever, whatever, whatever path people are wanting to take, you, you just don't have all the time in your life to do it yourself. So get some help, get some help, get some shortcuts, have someone sh- shine the light on the path and show you how to move forward more quickly 
And yeah, you talk to like it's 500 bucks for the course. And we are going to do a discount. If people use the code rec poker, they get 10% off, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Jared. Um, but it's like, how, how valuable is five years of your life that you're going to spend learning this on your own? Um, so I, 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 I wish more people would just, and even at rec poker, just like reaching out to some of us on the leadership team about just getting help with stuff. Like I wish more people would just say, Hey, I just wish I could get some help, help, help me improve a little, because yeah. for a lot of us, there's just, there's some real low hanging fruit. that's going to take us forever to learn on our own. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit, um, you know, uh, specific here and, and, and I'm not going to, you know, maybe overgeneralize. Okay. But I know that this is true for both genders. Yes. Okay. Fair. But men, by and large, have trouble saying those exact words. Like I could use some help. Right. And and I get it. Right. We have the built-in assumption that we can, and you can. Right. But what's more efficient? Right. And so, you know, I, I <laughs> a good friend of ours, you know, down the street, like you know, sixty-five-year-old guy fell off a ladder right? Broke a couple ribs, didn't go to a doctor for four days, right? Until, <laughs> until he couldn't, he couldn't breathe. Right. I, I, you know, Barry Carter, who wrote, who, you know, wrote the book with me, his father uh, went blind for three days, like for two days and didn't tell his wife he couldn't see. Okay. I mean, like what, what are we doing here? <laughs> As 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 a gen, like what what are we what are we thinking? Is it that bad? Like, is it so awful to say you don't know something? Is it so right. awful to say you need help? Right. I mean, on the surface, yeah. Like, you think there's going to be ridicule and people are they think you're dumb. If they do, it says more about them. True. So true. So true. Nobody who's your friend, nobody who at Reg Poker is going to say, "Oh, what a fish idiot." dumbass like no it's the literally the exact opposite yeah hey we're excited for you like let's get in here let's go do some good work and you know have some fun and yeah you can still do stuff independently but have a core i mean uh, of people that you collaborate with and, mm -hmm. and get help from yeah yeah and so so i mean that's that's really what it comes down to i think is like understanding that there's an opportunity cost to working on your own and that opportunity cost is the progress that you could be making by working with other people. So you just got to decide, like, what's what's important to me? Is it having all you know this time to do it on my own and maybe never getting as good as I could? Or is it just getting as good as I uh, getting as skilled as I possibly could be and, and working with other people to do it? Because I guarantee you, if listeners, you will become an exponentially better player if you learn with other people. If you have people just to talk through your questions with, um, to get different perspectives on people are going to have a, a, an angle on something that you never thought about. And all it takes is making yourself vulnerable, putting yourself out there and saying, you know what, actually, I don't have all the answers, but I have an open mind to learning. And um, that's what it's going to take to succeed, because otherwise you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. And, and maybe you'll even be having fun. Don't get me wrong. I sure did. But <laughs> I just wish I'd taken more help earlier because I know I'd be a much better player now. And, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many years I have left to keep getting better at poker, but if I had, if I was better, if I was 10 years better now, I'd have 10 more years to get even better at the back end. So, um, all right. Well, I, I know I've gotten a lot out of this. I think our listeners will as well. 
Uh, can you tell us, Jared, where where they can go to sign up for this? And uh, yeah. we'll we'll have a link in the in the Rec Poker Shop as well. But just in case that doesn't get put up in time for this episode to come out, uh, let us let for our sure. listeners know. Yeah, so it's jaredtendler.com is my website. Uh, you know, kind of a big upgrade to it this year, which is cool. Nice. Uh, there's actually a lot of free resources on there, right? So you can download worksheets, you know, that you can use as part of like building a tilt profile or doing an A to C game analysis. You know, the tools that I use in my coaching you know, are kind of freely available there. I also wrote um, a, a free intuition ebook. It's it's written for traders, but if you haven't written, if you haven't read The Mental Game of Poker 2, it kind of takes some of those kind of key components and brings it out and makes the idea of intuition a bit more uh, kind of understandable. And, and, and I talk about it in the course, but, you know, the course is on, on the website. You'll, you'll see it. Uh, you know, there's a nice little you know section in the header. Uh, and then just be sure to use the, the, the promo code, uh, you know, rec poker. Uh, you know, in the in the checkout process, and you know, you get access to it immediately. Um, I, I will say that there, it's in the pipeline. I, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, uh, but pretty soon this thing is going to be an app that you'll be able to download cool. on your phone. Yep. So you can access it offline and 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 really kind of anywhere. So, um, you know, don't I wouldn't buy the course like wanting that thing, right? Buy the course because you know the material will, will help you. But as a feature, you know, that's in a pipeline, and and so the course is just lives on my website and. You know, you get access to it, you know, as soon as you sign up. Nice. And like I said, it's eight modules, eight mod- each one's between an hour and a half or between an hour and two hours. So there's about 13 total hours of uh, content there, which is great. And yep. uh, yeah, people, please do use that code rec poker, get 10% off and tell Jared that, that we sent you. So uh, Jared, where can we reach you on Twitter? And uh, what else do you want to say to rec poker nation before we wrap this baby up? Yeah. So, uh, at Twitter, uh, at Twitter, at Jared Tendler on Twitter. Um, and then I also have been doing these monthly, uh, kind of Q and A's called office hours. Mm. Uh, I just had one yesterday, actually. Um, they're on, on YouTube now, um, but they're streamed live. So you're, they're free to attend, you know, come join me kind of a live stream, get, get your answers, uh, get your, get, get your questions answered, you know, kind of get in a pretty decent community of people, you know, between, you know, uh, three to 400 people kind of showing up every day, awesome. each of these, you know, kind of once a month. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer, um, you know, to attend and you can, you know, post your questions on my website earlier. You'll see it under the resources. There's an office hours section. You can post your questions and then I'll kind of prioritize those. Uh, you also can appear live with me kind of a, you know, if those of you have seen the, the show Frasier, you know, kind of like the live on air, you know, yeah. uh, you know, getting help, uh, you know, kind of hotline, um, you know, if you want to show up and, and talk about, you know, your particular question for a couple minutes, you know, we'll do that too. So uh, that's been a, a kind of an ex- exciting addition. I haven't been doing the podcast of late. This has kind of been taking uh, a, a different kind of form of, to me, the same kind of thing, uh, you know, just basically finding ways that I can add value to the community. So uh, yeah, and, and being available like in real time, right? Like that's something yeah, that a lot of people crave and it's, and it's a way to help people the most. Like we do a lot of training stuff at Rec Poker um, and the most effective stuff is when it's e- either one-to-one or, or one with a group, but but live in real time, being able to ask and answer questions and like go down a few rabbit holes and find those tangents that are interesting at the time. Right. So, and, and I'll say if anyone has any trouble finding any of this stuff, just go to rec.poker slash resources and we'll have links to all this stuff there as well. Um, well, thank you so much, Jared. I, I always enjoy uh, listening to you and I had a lot of fun today. Um, it's nice to uh, talk to someone who's got such a good, such a good head on their shoulders when it comes to all this <laughs> stuff. And you've got a lot of great stuff to, uh, to share with rec poker nation. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Great to, great to talk to you and, uh, you know, great to help out your community. All right. Well, we're going to, I want to thank, oh, I should have thanked uh, 
Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and website AMP. Uh, thank you to Jared Tendler and Steve Fredland, who couldn't be there. Everyone else, we'll see you again sometime soon. Bye.